0: And this today, we have Sherry Maloof uh, with us, uh, and uh, she's going to talk about her new book, Science and the Leader-Follower Relationship. It it's should be already out, right? Right, Sherry? It is out.
1: It's available on Amazon.
0: Fantastic. Very exciting. Well, thank you for being here. We really appreciate your time. And I think it's such an important topic for our listeners and how to not just strengthen teams, but how you improve your relationship between you and your boss. Can you tell us a little bit about your inspiration for the book?
1: Yeah, I. I so I, when I first started to get my PhD, my decision was I was gonna get a PhD and then write my book. So that was my goal. 2014, get the PhD done, which took me five years. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, you can't, uh, I had a book coach working with me and he said to me, you can't write a book and write a PhD at the same time. They're two completely different types of writing.
0: For sure. So I
1: took what he said to heart and uh, finished the PhD and then started the book. So it took another couple of years um, to get the book written and, you know, through all the phases. Um, But initially I wanted to just really look at influence because that's what primarily, I've done all of my life. I mean, for 30 years or more, I've taught influence all over the world. I've taught people how to manage their impact, which is a huge thing, you know, because I need to know how to influence you or another person. It's very different for different people. So I've done that, like I said, all over the world. And so when I started doing my PhD, I looked at it and I thought, wow, Everything that I've done all these years is far more than anybody that's done any research about influence and our stuff is good. So I thought, hmm, that's not what I wanna do. And so I started reading a bunch of different stuff and wandering around, you know, intellectually. (laughs) And through all of that, just discovered that nobody really looked at that relationship. I mean, people talk about it. If you look at leadership models, they all say, you know, you gotta get stuff done and, you know, deal with people. Sure but nobody ever really looked into that relationship itself. Like as a third entity.
0: Very good. So as you wrote the book and flushed out examples and what do you want the listener to get out of that book when they buy it, what, what should they be taking away from that?
1: It's a pretty packed little book. Uh, it's not that long, but there's a lot in it because there's three chapters on science. So there might be something that you're particularly drawn to that sort of opens up your eyes. So I think one piece that, that I, I just love about what I learned and what I talk about with people is that um, there's potential in every moment. So you and I, let's say you and I had a difficult relationship Brad and I, and you know, we would always kind of go through a habitual sort of thing with each other, which is what we do. If, If we have people that we have a difficult time with, we get very habitual in our interactions with them. For sure. At any moment, I can choose to do something different with you versus what I habitually and unconsciously do. And so every moment there's a possibility to create something new. And that's why a lot of the times you'll see me talking about the space between us. Because the relationship isn't just me and it isn't just you, it's the two of us together and each of us are equally responsible for the quality of that relationship. So I've got to look, if I want something to change, I've got to look at doing something different. And that's why I say every moment, there's a choice to create something different in that moment. Sure. We all have that choice all the time, but we're very unconscious because the brain is a very uh, efficient organ. Sure um and so there's a lot of things that are very automatically done and so that's another piece that's important to understand so there's lots of little nuggets in the book
0: I think what you said was really good that we have a responsibility for the relationship and a lot of times when you have a boss that you're not getting along with um, there are certain barriers there and I think it's easy to forget I think that you have a personal responsibility in that relationship, but you kind of leave it to the boss. Well, that's the boss's problem. The boss needs to figure it out. Where in reality, we have a responsibility to make that relationship with the boss. How do you coach people through those barriers? Maybe they're intimidated. Maybe they're angry. Uh, maybe they're they've tried and they said, "Uh, ah, I've tried. I'm giving up." How do you coach or encourage them to? really build that relationship
1: we've well, got to make a choice to do it right the, i mean that's the first step you got to know what you want right because if if you if you're so angry or so fru- frustrated then it's probably time to go somewhere else because maybe there's other things in the company that you're just it's not a good match for you so you've got to determine do you want to invest what it would take to fix a broken relationship so that's, that's the first choice, that's the first decision. So then once you make that decision, then you've got to deal with your reactions. Because I can't go into a difficult conversation feeling frustrated and angry and all that kind of stuff. Sure. It's not gonna go well, that's not a way. So one of the things that I talk to people about is a big thing around relationships is emotional intelligence. Like I can get frustrated with somebody, but if I speak to that person from a place of frustration, it's not going to go well. They're going to get frustrated because a lot of times our feelings and our reactions and our emotions, that energy is contagious. So then the other person gets mad and it's like, well, why can't you listen to me? I'm upset right now. And right. it's like, well, because I'm getting upset, you know, so I mean, we end up in this fun- funky place. So one of the things that I teach people is how to ground themselves. And on our uh, Facebook web- web- uh, our Facebook page for the company, Situation Management Systems, there's actually a bunch of videos that take 10 minutes to watch um, that help you ground yourself, ground and center your energy. Because again, we've never been taught we are made up of atoms. I mean, we might know that, but we don't know that we manage all the energy that's in us. And so being centered and grounded, having boundaries really helps when emotions are strong. So it's breathing and breathing. The stuff all sounds like common sense and it is because it's a really interesting thing as there's a lot of knowledge out there. But, but um, I tell people that oxygen is your friend. So you gotta breathe, you gotta breathe and sit back in your chair. So one of the things is to change your physical body that helps manage emotions and manage reactions.
0: Well, I think that's really good. And I wanna unpack that a little bit because you said a lot. The first thing is you want to be able to have that relationship. You have to decide, this is something I want to work on. I have a responsibility. My boss has a responsibility. And I would caution any of our listeners, if you can't practice that where you are, it may come up again where wherever you end up going. If you decide to say, oh, I can't talk to my boss, I'm done. If you don't have that discipline to engage someone and work things out, your problems are going to repeat over and over and over again. And I think that's a very important point that you have to decide that. Second thing, when you talked about emotional intelligence, I love talking about emotional intelligence and applying it. I think it's so important. We all have hardwired skills that we can do. We can all check the box of a good job description, but it's that emotional intelligence, it's empathy, self-awareness, whatever we have to, like you said, ground yourself. And, and when, people hear the word breathing, they're like, oh, well, what's that? Breathing, if and you can please agree or disagree, it gives us balance. It gives us pause. It, it realigns our energy. So we're looking at things in a different way. And I learned this, believe it or not, at the dentist. <laughs> I didn't breathe at the dentist. They didn't work. I was really tense. But when my dentist said, hey, breathe, relax, it's going to be okay. That's literally how I learned to breathe. Not, And I use it in my professional life when I need to you know, either calm down or look at things in a different way, or if I feel like, hey, I'm being attacked or there's an issue, let's breathe through it. Let's talk about it. But believe it or not, I learned that at the dentist. That's great. <laughs> I love that, that. story. That interesting. So <laughs> when, when you're writing the book and you're looking at these situations and you're researching it, did any example come to mind? I mean... I know you have clients like Pfizer and Chevron and Estee Lauder. Can you talk about any examples that you worked on that our listeners can see, hey, that's a good result from this practice?
1: So one of the things that we we teach people about, and this is kind of separate from the, the book, one of the things that we teach people about is how to think through those difficult situations and plan to have that conversation. Because we don't do that, you know, we don't, we'll plan like if I've got a project I wanna propose or, you know, we'll plan how to, you know, all the PowerPoints and stuff for that. But what we don't plan is how to manage our own impact. And so uh, we frequently have people uh, that really think through challenging situations, and plan for them and think about exactly how do I manage this. So, for example, we had a guy, he was the VP of manufacturing. And he uh, worked for a company that manufactured manufacturing lines. It was a small company. And no two lines were the same, so they always had to put in customized equipment but he never knew what was coming down the pike. He never knew what was coming next. So he would then have to order equipment and that kind of thing. So it was sometimes some of the customers got impatient because they thought it was taking too long to get their line set up. So the president of the company wasn't happy with him. Uh, He loved, the president loved the VP of sales. So he had to influence the VP of sales who he didn't have a great relationship with to give him his pipeline. So that he could start pre-ordering stuff and be able to set things up and get it manufactured more quickly sure so he practiced it practiced it a bunch of different ways we taught him all the styles taught him about tone of voice words to choose body language all of it and um, so he practiced it all and then he went and had the conversation and this is what he told us was well I wanted to have it one-on-one with the VP of sales, but it didn't happen. There were other people in the room and the conversation didn't go exactly how I wanted it to go, but I felt well prepared because because we'd practiced it so many ways. So he said to the guy, I just want, you know, the um, pipeline, you know, for each quarter, just so I know what's coming. And uh, the VP of sales said, no, I'm not gonna give that to you because the president will hold me to it. And I don't, you know, I don't wanna, you know, get him upset with me if a sale doesn't close. Right.
0: Um,
1: and so he was frustrated, he disengaged, which is something we teach people is to disengage if things aren't going the way you want it to, instead of running away or avoiding, you disengage. And so he disengaged, um, went home, probably, probably said, oh, Sherry, you told me this and that and this and that, you know? <laughs> right? But he woke up the next morning to an email from the guy with the next quarter's pipeline in it, saying that he'd thought about it overnight and realized that the request was, you know, reasonable, just as long as it didn't get shared with the president.
0: I think that's great.
1: So again, it's we build up in our minds these difficult relationships, right? And and, and it's very intimidating from a follower standpoint in some organizations, not all of them, but with some leaders in some organizational cultures. That's a hard conversation to have. I mean, imagine if you're a person of difference or color or anything else, there's even more barriers there perception if the boss is white or whatever, you know? I mean, there's all kinds of things, especially today that come in and and can make the conversation very difficult to have. Uh, So, you know, as a boss, you can make those conversations easier to have, right? You can be open to them and tell people let's build our relationship let's look at things so bosses can make it easier
0: but if you are a follower
1: um, you know you you can think it through and think through what's critical what what would he want to hear or she what do I need to talk to them about um, draw them in uh, have a conversation about it but be very clear about what you want you know what's the impact you want to have on this you know think about what's in it for both of you what's going to What's going to make it better for both of you uh, to build the relationship? I interviewed a bunch of people after I finished my PhD and I just said, so if you could improve all of the relationships between leaders and followers in this organization, what would the impact be? Wow! Three things. Can you guess what they are?
0: I don't want to guess. I don't want to be wrong. (laughs) But I'm sure it has to do with performance and reducing risk and um people feeling better about what they're doing
1: yeah I mean increased productivity right uh less stress and more fun and
0: and I think that's great and I love when you said to practice I think that's really important to practice that conversation obviously you can't anticipate every twist and turn but practice make sure that you're communicating not just what you think But an end result of where you see yourself and your boss going to. So there's a clear line of this is the purpose of why I'm talking. I'm not just talking to talk. Um, There's a purpose and it's going to benefit you and it's going to benefit me. But that practice I think is very important. Um, get,
1: Get somebody to play the boss for you.
0: I think that's great. I really do. And even if you can create scenarios where you can see a conversation going left or right, or or bad or good, and be prepared for some of those variances, I think your conversation improves. But it's work, it's hard work to maintain a relationship, and it benefits you when you do.
1: You know, it's it's interesting, because for some people, you know, relationships get formed really easily, and those bonds are strong, and it's good from the very beginning but I, I always tell people, look, we're all a weirdo to somebody. Okay? Right. There's always gonna be somebody that's gonna be right. challenging for us or we're gonna be a weirdo to somebody else. And so you've got to do your part of the work because nobody, you can't blame other people for a bad relationship. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about where there's abuse or whatever. Sure. You know, sure. I mean, there there is, Believe me, there's psychological abuse in organizations and that, that's a completely different thing. That's the responsibility of senior management. They know what's going on but because the person's a high performer, they let them get away with some stuff that's incredibly unacceptable. There mm-hmm. are very, very uh, psychologically abusive bosses out there and it's not, it's not a rare occurrence. And like I said, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've heard all kinds of stories and it's horrendous what people have done. And it's all degrees, you know, there's some that are horrific and there's some that are just plain, just horrid.
0: <laughs> so it's I can imagine. I can <laughs> imagine. What's your advice for the introvert? The person that just wants to hide in a corner and doesn't feel very comfortable engaging, uh, maybe doesn't feel comfortable in conflict. What's your advice for that introvert?
1: So one of the interesting things um, for introverts is they like to process things along right. in the quiet you know and not necessarily out extroverts like to talk it out introverts like to think about it and will come back and they'll usually come back with a well thought out extremely good idea right, right. so it, it's different strengths on different sides and so for introverts it's important to, again what do you want get clear on what you want you still have to deal with people you know even because we deal with a lot of scientists and engineers and uh, people who typically would fall into the introvert spectrum. Sure. And so we teach them, again, how to manage that impact. But it's important to figure out, again, what is it that you want? And um, I hate to say this, but it's not always data. <laughs> data isn't always going to convince people. And we're we're such a data-driven um being at this point, and this is all human beings. True. And we we think that all we have to do is give people the data, and they'll be bright enough to figure it out for themselves. Well, that doesn't work. So there's lots of different ways to communicate. So you know, my suggestion, if you're highly introverted, is to reach out to somebody like us um, that does coaching and helps people. Um, go to go to a program. Just dip your dip your foot into the water in a safe way. Sure. Um, so that you can begin to understand that you too can put together a plan that's well thought out, that you're comfortable with, that will enable you to um, have the impact that you wanna have. Because you can't hide the corner forever. It just doesn't work.
0: I agree with you, and I think for some introverts, they're focused on their emotional intelligence to a higher degree and not considering the emotional intelligence of someone else relationship is not just a tool to get things done, it's required. It's, it's always going to be there and it's hard to avoid that requirement in any kind of work situation, even a personal situation. So I think you're right about introverts taking time to process. I think what they also need to understand is in order to get their job done, in order to perform, in order to benefit the company, They have to have that relationship between the boss um, and come to some kind of consensus. And I think when you have an introvert that processes a lot, it's very analytical, that just is decided on this is what's right. I believe relationships are a lot about compromise, a lot about problem solving. What are your recommendations to navigate that middle ground? Um, They say in government, when both sides are unhappy, you've got a good result. Um, where you've come to that, you know, compromise. I I think there's a lot of people, especially big companies, that don't like to compromise. They read their policies and procedures, this is what it is, too bad, you're done, and you kind of lose that middle ground. So what is your advice to navigate to that middle ground?
1: Well, you know, I always tell people that influencing isn't about you. You know, people are very self-absorbed, right? So it's not about you, it's what you know about the other person. So you got to get clear on what you want and what you need. And then you got to get clear on what you'd be willing to give up. You know, it's funny because we really want to be connected with each other. We want that middle ground. There's a big part of our brain that focuses a lot of time on understanding how we fit into the social networks that we're in You know how accepted we are, who's the next person we need to connect with, all that kind of stuff. We're very, very driven by this stuff. And so um, really thinking about who do I need to connect with? How do I make that happen? What's gonna work for them? What's the minimum I can walk away with? That's that's kind of how you have to go into it. And you can't go in with this either uh, I'm right or I have to win mindset. Both of those mindsets will undermine everything that you're trying to do.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I know how difficult it is to get your PhD and I know how difficult it is to, to write a book. Were you surprised by anything when you were writing your book and doing the research? And even as you're engaging as a consultant, is there something that surprised you about this relationship process that you weren't necessarily expecting?
1: I think, so I created this thing called the implicit social elements and what they are is they're all the sort of foundational building blocks of relationships. So there's seven of them, right? There's fairness, status, trust, empathy, reciprocity, mutual recognition, respect, and self-control. And what surprised me, I think, was how unconscious we are when we create relationships with other people. And we have these little sort of uh, social uh, controllers in our head that say, oh, that person's good for me. Nope, that person's not good for me. Right. Um, And it's a very unconscious process. So a lot of the breakdown in relationships is driven by unconscious mechanisms in the brain. And all of that develops through our socialization process, through our education, through all different things that happen to us. Um, And, you know, there's, there's this guy, his name is Robert Sapolsky and he wrote this uh, a book, well, he's written many books, but one of the ones, the one that I read and was most hit by was, is called Behave. I think it's like human beings that are best and then are worst. And what he wanted to do was look at what happens in the brain uh, when there's violence. And one of the things that was really interesting that I, that I looked at um, in reading his book was the whole idea of us versus them and how we react when somebody is an us. And again, this is very unconscious, right? Mm. So um, uh, when somebody is an us, uh, we treat them much differently than somebody who we consider them. And we're much more willing to quickly sacrifice them just to make sure that we're okay with the us that we are. We and we have lots of different us's, you know, right. I've got brown hair, you know, so anybody with brown hair is an us. So we can create us and them on very, very tiny things. And of course, you know, it's ripping this country apart right now. Um, The us versus them stuff that's going on.
0: For sure. And when you engage in this mindset of us, you're always working to compromise and be a part of one another. And it really diffuses conflict um, where the them, you're guaranteed conflict. Pretty much because you're, you're trying to avoid, sorry, say again,
1: or we just avoid anybody that we consider them, right we don't to them, we don't give them even the slightest bit and violence towards them is highly acceptable.
0: Yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think that's very powerful. When you're trying to and again, if there's something you don't believe in, um, doesn't mean you can't be in us. It just means there's certain things that we don't share commonality with, and that's fine. That's okay.
1: Yeah, but we've forgotten that. See, to me, and what fixes that is what I call common ground, and that's what ties us together. Okay, that's what that what. When you think about times when you've connected with a group of people where, you know, you all had the same kind of mindset. Right, all going in the same direction. You knew where you needed to go, all that kind of thing. I mean, there's an energy connection that actually gets created. It's, it's visceral. You can feel it in the room when you've got a group of people who really have connected in that way. For sure. But we forget that we can create that any time. And that's why, and I go back to my first comment about every moment has potential. So you can see somebody as a them in front of you and reframe. You can reframe, right. and stop the reactions, you know? And I, I just feel very strongly about this, that we, we really need to remember that we're, we're all in this together.
0: Exactly, we're all interconnected in some way. And I like what you said about finding common ground. And I like what you said about taking the time to reframe when necessary to build that us relationship. Even as it relates to your boss, you don't have to agree on everything to be an us relationship and to to improve performance and and reduce stress. Those are all things that we commonly strive for.
1: Yeah, I mean, and us and them in organizations is huge, especially if it's a unionized shop or something like that, because management is always going to be a them. You know, and as long as that divide is there, then you're going to have, you know, troubles bridging that. Um, and the ones that do bridge it are then called, then they get, they, they get thrown out of the us group, you know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of tough. Um, but if, if it's not in a unionized environment, or, or the union isn't, you know, terribly radical, uh, then you always have the potential to build that relationship. You always have the potential to shift things. And... That's what I keep telling people it's, but you have to be present in the moment and make the choice. And if you're not present, if you're not noticing that you're reacting, right? Because right. then you just go full force into that emotional reaction. Even if you're not doing it externally, you're just internally, you know, grumbling away. Right, that counts. <laughs> it does.
0: It <laughs> blocks everything. It blocks everything. I always use the example of when you look at a, a fire person Uh, firemen fire women they never run they always walk uh, because they don't want that adrenaline to cloud their judgment so they're trained to walk to really keep their frame of mind intact and i think when you look at relationships and you look at um, different things that come up at work relationships is something you can absolutely control you may not be able to control a financial position that's above your ranks you may not be able to control a pandemic or a loss of product or loss of clients, but you absolutely have control over the relationships you build. And and I think what you've shared with us today is really terrific. Um, I hope everyone uh, gets your book, Science and the Leader-Follower Relationship. It's out right now. Um, Sherry Malouf, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time and expertise. Uh, This has been the Career Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Lebowski, President and Chair of Hunger for Success, and we look forward to listening to you and engaging you again very soon. Thank you. This has been the Career Mentor Podcast, intellectual property of hunger for success. All rights reserved, 2021.